Thank you, Michaela. I highly appreciate that much. All right, let's grab our Bibles. Brother Jerry's going to come. He's going to preach. Before he does that, give a little update on the ministry, and certainly he doesn't need any introduction. So, Brother Jerry, you go ahead and come on up. Appreciate you being here tonight, your willingness to preach, and give us an update. God bless you, my brother. Thank you. All right, go ahead and turn your Bibles to Hebrews chapter 12, and I'll have you in place before we get started. So, let me just say uh, it's an uh, honor, privilege to be here back, back at Fostoria and be able to present God's Word this evening. and Let me just share a little bit about what's going on in uh, New Zealand. And I will say Dawn's not here this evening because our grandkids were sick, so she's watching this afternoon. Um, so she's not be able to be here tonight. But um, we were able to get back in New Zealand in June, uh, and it was about a month after we got back in New Zealand. Uh, we moved down to the town of Masterton. The missionaries that we're working with are... A guy in Debbie Bankston, I knew the Banksons before we, uh, when we were in New Zealand uh, from 2004 to nine. And uh, when we were looking to go back to New Zealand, I talked to Brother Bankston and Garth Piper and Bob McLean, some other guys in New Zealand, just said, hey, what's going on? Anybody have something specific that they would like help with? And uh, we'd like to be able to pray about some direction where God would have us to go. And God laid on our hearts to go work with Guy and Debbie Bankston. And uh, they're in Palmerston North, about an hour and 15 minutes north of us, where we're at Masterton. And uh, we went there, and he started a had started going down on Sunday evenings and uh, letterbox of town, got uh, some literature out in the town, and started meeting with a you know a couple people at first. He he said the first few meetings it was just him and his wife um, on a Sunday night down there, and then uh, a couple walked in the door one night. And sat there, and that was a couple that came here. If you had a chance to meet them while they were here, um, Giles and Donna Wilding, and they uh, walked in the door and sat there and listened to Brother Bankson. And they'd been in a church up in Auckland, and had moved down to Masterton and couldn't find a church like their church was in Auckland. And as soon as they got in there and they sang the old hymns and they heard the Bible preached, they said, "You know, this is a place for us." And uh, the Lord brought them in, and then another family, and they had about four or five people meeting there. And uh, then uh, in July, Don and I were able to get in there and have somebody there all the time. And, you know, we've had, we're up to about 12 consistently. We've had a high day of 26 um, there at the school that we're meeting at. But, uh, you know, it's it's all the Lord's work, you know. No, it doesn't matter if we have two or if we have 26 you know, that's the two that God wants us to minister to, or the 26, or my wife, if that ever happens. <laughs> Just her and I. But, uh, you know, it's, it's the Lord's work. And, you know, let me let me share a couple specific things about what's happened since we've been there. Um, I don't know, if, a while back we wrote in one of the prayer letters about the uh, Catholic priest came on a Sunday night. Um, he came in, sat down, didn't really say who he was, and uh, he didn't have on any priestly garb. So he came in, sat down, listened to the message, and actually that night I was really nailing on tradition that night and works. And <laughs> so he sat and listened, had stayed around because after service, as tradition in New Zealand, we have biscuits, which are cookies. Don usually makes muffins. We have cookies and tea and coffee, and we'll spend an hour in service and an hour and 45 minutes in fellowship. Everybody just standing around drinking coffee and and having a good time after church on Sunday. But uh, he stayed around with us and talked with us, had a cup of coffee with us. And then through that conversation, he told me he was a Catholic priest and oversaw three of the Catholic churches in the area, in the Wairapid uh, area that we're in. 
And uh, so I talked to him a little bit, invited him to come back to church. He said, I may do that someday, you know. But uh, So he left the door open, and he wasn't really keen to talk about some spiritual things. But uh, he ended up uh, coming to that service and hearing the gospel that evening. I've had a couple of interesting situations where I've had a guy raise his hand in Sunday school because I said, you know, and the Bible teaches that we're, we're born in sin. We come forth from the womb in sin. And I mentioned that in Sunday school, and he raised his hand. He said, I don't believe that at all. Then he wanted to argue with me. I said, look, Anthony, you can talk to me after church. And he's known for doing this. So then he came up to me in between services and said, um, you know, you wouldn't ask the Holy Spirit to leave. I said, uh, are you telling me you're the Holy Spirit? <laughs> and he was telling me he was the Holy Spirit, directed there by God. And uh, he said, in Jesus' name, you want to ask him to leave? And I said, in Jesus' name, I'm asking you to leave our church because you're not going to spread your lies here. And uh, so he left, and I told him, if you're welcome to come to my home and speak to me anytime, but you're not welcome to come here and try to draw, draw anybody away from the church and your false teaching. And so he, as he was leaving, he said, well, you don't have the spirit I have. And I said, I would 100% agree with you on that point. <laughs> so, you know, so we have some of our interesting challenges. And then, you know, we've had about a month and a half ago, I had a gentleman come into church and he was visiting from the States, and uh, he lives in Virginia now, and going to a good independent Baptist church in Virginia, actually supports BIMI missionaries down there. He was in, he, he grew up in Masterton, and the Masterton area is called the Wairapa region, which is kind of like what we say, Tuscola County. And he's in the, in the Wairapa region where all his family lives. And in 1985, he moved away, um, ended up in the Navy here in the States, met a Filipino lady, they got married. And he's only returned to New Zealand twice since 1985, and he was there about a month and a half ago. And he'd come into service, and he'd called me that week, text me, and he was trying to get, a, get in to meet me sooner. But um, as things transpired in their stay, they weren't able to. But he came to church on Sunday and brought his mom, and we were talking after church. And, you know, the guy stood there with tears in his eyes and said, for 25 years I'd prayed for somebody to be here in this town to reach my family with the gospel and it really settled in about us being in Masterton that God really confirming that that's where he had for us to be and has for us to be and you know he emails me he's emailed me a few times just to say hey I'm praying for you he's given me his mom and dad's address I've already went out and visited with them and they weren't real open to the gospel but I'd ask you to pray for the Valence family V-A-L-L-A-N-C-E is that family he has three brothers, and there's his sister-in-laws, and his nieces and nephews there, and his mom and dad. And we got to talk to his mom and dad and started getting into salvation, and then he real quickly said, hey, you know, I gotta, I've got to go into town and get something, some medication. And I said, okay. I said, would you mind if I came back and spoke with you when I get back from the States? And he said, no, you're fine to come anytime. And he left that door open for us to go and share the gospel with him. So I'd ask you to pray for that family. And, uh, you know, it's... Uh, all of your missionaries need your prayers. You know, it's not just us in New Zealand or the Thatchers or the Meads or, you know, the Smiths and the ones that are from Fostoria here, but all of your missionaries that you support out there on that board. The family that came from our church in New Zealand that came and they saw, went down and saw the picture of the missionaries and things like that and saw how many missionaries the church supported here and they were just amazed that the church supported that amount of missionaries. And you know, the work that was going on around the world. And 
You know, you take, as I was telling Brother Shaver before at church many times, we take for what, what we have right here for granted. You know, folks, what we have right here, you know, I, I step back and I look at Christianity today and I see people here in the States, we just hop around church to church and, man, go to, go to another country where they don't have a church to go to that's 15 miles away. God puts you in a church to do something right here. And if the devil's trying to draw you away from Foster A. Baptist Church, you need to get that out of your heart. God's put you here for a reason, and we're going to see some of that tonight here in, in Hebrews 12. But you know, those folks in New Zealand, I have a couple in my church right now that's been there for two years. They haven't gone to church anywhere for two years because there's no biblical church in Masterton for them to go to. They're charismatic, the Baptist Union Church in town, that, that guy told this gentleman from our church, you know, my goal is to have us big, the biggest church in town. That's not my goal. I want to have the godliest church in town. I don't care about size, but I want people that have a heart for God and want to win people in their town for God. And you know, that, that couple... For two years, had nowhere to go. They start, you know, we get down there, and they kind of didn't know how to take Dawn and I at first. You know, they, as all of them did, you know, we're different Americans now than the missionary that was there. But it was interesting. We got there at the airport, and the, the five uh, people were there to meet us at the airport with the missionary. And they had on American flag hats, and they had American flag cups and stuff, and trying to make us feel welcome there that they liked Americans, so that was good. But, uh, but you know, in that town, they're hopping around because they had nowhere to go. We get there, we started, you know, they started warming up to us. Now that couple, he's 62, she's 52, he's a Kiwi, she's Korean, South Korean. And they're at our house about four days a week. It, either at our house or we're at their house, I'll put it that way, because a lot of times uh, they'll invite us over for dinner to be around when they invite their lost family members for dinner. Hey, Pastor, will you come to our house tonight for dinner? We do, we're going to have our son. My son's going to be here, and we'd like him to meet you. And if we get a chance to share Christ with them, we want you to be there. So I'll go for dinner at their home and have dinner with them when, they, when the relatives come over and, or friends from the neighborhood. And, you know, that couple, 62 and 52, they're eating up everything they can get right now. Man, they just want to talk. They just want to sit down. What's the Bible have to say about this? And what about that? And, you know, we just go through things. Because they've never gone, they've, they don't have the teaching that we've had here. And I think back, my Sunday school teachers at this church, what they put in my life, and those things that I remember, that I share with people in New Zealand. Folks, you're important right here. You're needed right here. And I don't know where Jerry Judd would be if it wasn't for people that saw the need right here. You know, we need to get out. It's not about us and how we feel and what church does for us, but what are we giving for others? What are you doing for others? What are you doing for the people outside these doors? You know, we come here to church on Sunday and Wednesday, and it's not about us right here. It's about us all around here. And lost people that need to know 
about Christ. And what are we doing? And my heart aches, and it breaks as I watch people in New Zealand, as I talk to people, and what the world has done to people, and we will judge them because of the tattoos and the earrings, and boy, do you not know what the devil's doing to those people? They're like you and me, but man, they've had a rough road. And the devil has got them and dragging them through the mud and beating them up. And we want to sit there and say, you're not like me. Get out of here. You don't look like me. You don't talk like me. You don't think like me. I don't need you here. God needs them here. doesn't matter if you need them here, but God wants them here. Because they need to hear what Christ has done for them on the cross at Calvary. It's not about my little circle or your little circle. There's a lot bigger picture than you and me. You know, we got to, every day I stop and I think about, man, I'm, I'll be 49 this year. That's hard to believe. Just the other day, it seemed like Donnie Thatcher was jumping off that pew on my head and raking my ear off against that brick right over there. <laughs> Didn't that happen, Mom? I'd come out of that door back there and say, hey, Mom, Donnie Thatcher ripped my ear off my head, didn't he? And she's like, <laughs> You know, right here in this church, I have a lot of good memories. I have a lot of good people that I think about all the time that have invested into my life. And it's my turn to invest into other people's lives. And you need to keep investing in the lives of others because you don't know what life you'll affect or change that one day may stand up here and they have a few tattoos on their arm with a long sleeve shirt on, but God's called them to do something because you were faithful in doing what God's called you to do right here in Fostoria, Michigan. You know, this church here, it's hard, it, when you talk, and, and you've seen this from people, because it's like, you know, you go to Foster Area, Michigan, I tell people, go ahead, go to Foster Area, Michigan, there's 200 people in the town, and the church that's on the edge of town, it's the biggest building there, but it's all to God's glory. Because people saw the need to reach their people in their community. And it starts right here at home, and don't ever lose that vision for the people right here in Foster, in Mayville, in North Branch, Tuscola, Lapeer counties. Don't lose the vision that God has for this world right here. You just don't give money and send missionaries to do the job. You do the job right here. And I, I don't know how many people come out on visitation, and I stop, and I think back in those years when the wing was right there, and the the old fellowship hall was down there, and how many people would be out here on Thursday night to go out knocking on doors on visitation on Thursday night to lead people to the Lord on Thursday evenings? And I also remember all the water fights we used to have at the kitchen sinks right there in that old fellowship hall. But, you know, it's those times that we, you know, it's like we play together, we work together in reaching the community. You're all my friends. 
You're my family. Keep doing the work right here. God needs you to do this work. Stay faithful. Here in Hebrews chapter 12, I'm just going to read a couple of verses. Every time I come back here, I think, man, I'm, I'm going to get up there tonight. I'm not going to shed no tears tonight. <laughs> I always do, and I always will. Because you hold a special place in my heart here. Hebrews chapter number 12, and this is going to be a real basic message this evening. But sometimes we need some reminders of basic things in life. And we've heard messages on these verses in Hebrews 12, verses 1 and 2. I'll go ahead and read the verses. It says, Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which does so easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. Let's have a word of prayer as we begin this evening. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for this time that we can meet together. Father, I thank you for the freedoms we enjoy in this country where we can meet like this. Father, I thank you for this church. Father, I thank you for the people in this church. I thank you for Pastor Henry. Lord, I, I pray that you would do a work here in the hearts of the people that, Father, they would keep their focus in the right place serving you here at Foster A. Baptist Church. Father, I pray that you would just speak to our hearts this evening. Father, I pray that you would speak to my heart this evening. Father, I pray that we would be encouraged this evening, Father, to keep on in the race. For it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Here I want us to consider some things about these verses, first of all. And I'm going to get right into this so I can get moving through here. Um, I know there's a game on tonight. Oh, I, <laughs> but, uh, you know, here in, in these verses, there's three things I want us to see. First of all, you know, why should we give our all in the race in 2018? And it's because we are being watched. Because you're being watched. Here in these verses, you know, he talks about a great cloud of witnesses that are, are watching. If you go back and you read in Hebrews chapter 11, the faith chapter, you read about all those that by faith did what God asked them to do, starting all the way back with Abel. And coming through and reading about those men of faith that did what God asked. And you know, as I, you read through there and then you come to this point of that great cloud of witnesses that that is gathered there in heaven, it's almost like as you watch a race and as you've ever watched the Olympics and you you watch those uh, marathons and the people are sitting around up in the crowd or even a sprint with those uh, long distance 800 meter or 1500 meter or whatever they are races, the crowd is sitting up in there and they're watching the runners in the race. You know what I picture in heaven are those people that by faith that serve God and loved him and that are there in heaven that are watching and looking as we are running this race and are cheering us on in that race. And not just those in this faith chapter, but you think about those that have already gone before us here at Foster A. Baptist Church. You know, in the, in the last couple of years, 
Those two Sunday school teachers, that meant a lot to me in my years growing up, Mr. Swadling, Mr. Thatcher, that passed away. You know, I stop many times and I think about (laughs) Mr. Thatcher and that corny laugh. And him laughing in class and just having a good time with us. But you know, him standing up there in heaven saying, Jerry, keep going. Don't get discouraged. Keep your head up. You know, there's people that have gone before us that are watching us and want us to continue in the race. But it's not only those people that have gone before us. It's also those people that are running with us in the race. You know, right now in the race, we're all running together in this race. You know, as we run together in this Christian life and in, our, in, in serving God, it's running together and encouraging one another along the race. You know, back in at Junietta in high school when we played soccer and we would run laps around that soccer field over there, and I, you know, I, I can't remember how many laps Mr. Lipka used to make us run. 10, 13, I can't remember how many times around that soccer field, but I know it was, a, it was a lot. And, you know, I would get in there and I'd get to practice, and, you know, I would want to practice. I don't want to run laps, so let's just get them over with. And you get in and you start running, and, you you know, I'd like, I'd like to run and get them done. Then there was those guys that wanted to come to practice, and we would be practicing for five minutes, and they'd still be running laps. And they'd be like, hey, just run with us. No, I don't want to run with you. I want to run with somebody that's pushing me to do my best. That I can get done and get doing what I want to do in practice. And you know, in our Christian life, don't get stuck with running with somebody who wants you to slow down in the race. Encourage people to say, hey, come on, run with me. Let's go. we got things to do. I always have people telling me, man, you got things to do today? Why are you going so fast? What are you doing? Yeah, I got things to do, man. There's things going on. You know, if I get done early, I can go have an ice cream, whatever. But, you know, I want, I want to get done. You know, here as you run together, serving the Lord at Foster A. Baptist Church, encourage one another as you're running to stay in the race and run stronger than you did the day before. You know, we build endurance as we run. You know, Mr. Lipka would have us run those races for a reason because he wanted, or those laps, so that we would learn to endure as the game went longer, that we would have the endurance towards the end of the game to keep on moving in in that game, to keep on running, to finish strong. You know, it, it doesn't just happen. You have to build up the endurance, and you have to keep going and go harder the next day and try harder. And folks right here, encourage one another to, to get stronger, be stronger, run stronger, do more. Sometimes we think, I can't do that. How do you know you've never tried? Do it. But not only for those that went before us or those that are running with with us, but also for those that come after us. You need to run in this race because of those that come after us. 
You know, we all have, as we've gotten older, I shouldn't say all of us have. A lot of us in this room have children. A lot of us have grandchildren now, which is hard to believe. But you know, as we are running in this race, we have others that are behind us watching us in this race. You know, they want to know, is it worth it to grandma and grandpa, mom and dad, to stay in the race and to run strong? And let me just say this, you know, because this has been on my heart quite a bit too, is win the hearts of your kids. Get the heart of your kids. Because if you don't, somebody will. And that somebody, you may not want to have control of your kid's heart. And mom and dad, if you're not doing it, the devil will find somebody to do it. But win the hearts of your kids. Grandma and grandpa, win the hearts of your grandkids. Show them that there's something to live for and a reason to serve God. Other than this world teaching them to just go have a good time. This world will teach them everything you don't want them to know. In New Zealand, we have, uh, oh, about two months ago, uh, maybe a little over two months ago, I was watching the news. And on the news, they were talking about um, teaching their kids sex education by the age of eight is when they say we should start teaching our kids sex education in New Zealand, which is crazy. They want, they want the parents to start teaching the kids that at the age of eight. And I, I think, man, all you're doing, you're giving your kids so much trouble. And then as I've been doing some studying and research to find out that New Zealand, in age brackets of 15 to 19, we have the highest suicide rates in that age bracket in the world, in the modern world, I should say, in that 15 and 19 age bracket. Because those kids are out trying everything and find, trying to find things that bring them happiness and peace. You know, this world is looking for joy and happiness and peace, and they're not going to find it in the world. They're only going to find it in Christ. And they can look all day long to try to find that peace and that joy and that happiness, but they will never find it without Christ. Folks, your grandkids need you to teach them who Jesus is. Parents, your kids need you to teach them about what Christ did on the cross of Calvary for them. Because the world, if they get a hold of them, will tell them Jesus never existed. It's fake. He's like the Easter Bunny. And you know, we deal that with young people in New Zealand. Families in New Zealand that don't believe that Christ lived and that he died, and they think it's foolishness. And we know the Bible tells us that those that believe it, it'll be like foolishness unto them. Folks, you need to win your kids. And you need to do it because those kids are watching you in the race you're running right now. And let me say, if you're not running your race the way God intends you to run the race, you're a bad example for your kids.
and your grandkids and other kids. You need to be running the race the way God intended. You know, we want to just go out and do what we want to do in this world and in this life. We think, oh, nobody, my life doesn't affect anybody's life. It sure does affect other people's lives. You can walk around all day long and think, oh, my life will never affect anybody. It will. For good or for bad, it will affect someone's life. You know, we think we just want to go out and, and do whatever we want and be happy and doing what we want and have a good job and have a nice car and have all these nice things. And you know, one day all that stuff is going to be junk. Wood, hay, and stubble, burn up, gone for nothing. You know, you get 70 years promised to you on this earth, some of us We'll make it there. Some of us won't. You know, you, you get this amount of time here on this earth, and what do we do with the time that we have? I, I watched an illustration of a guy. He took a long piece of rope, and he had a little piece of tape on the end of that rope, and I may have shared this before here. But, you know, he threw out that rope and said, that lets us picture his eternity all the way out there. And up here he had a little piece of electric tape wound around there once, and he says, right here, this little black piece of tape picture our life in this world today he says you know what on this little piece of tape right here is where we live for without ever living for out there we have all this time we're going to live in eternity and we get consumed with living on this little piece of tape and he said you know really when you stop and think about it it's even for a smaller amount of time because we get consumed with living for retirement and building up to retirement. And, you know, you hear the stories of people that retire, and the next day they have a massive heart attack and thought they are going to enjoy retirement and never have a day in retirement. And we get our priorities all out of kilter in this world, and instead of using it to serve God, we use it to serve self. And all those years for eternity... We have nothing to show for it, because on this little piece of tape, we did nothing with the days we were given to plan for eternity with Christ. But we try to plan for retirement for five, ten years, maybe a day. We live this life thinking about that. But you need to run this race because your kids and grandkids are watching. So others have gone before us watching. You're running with those today, or those that are coming behind us. That's why we run the race. Let me just say here quickly that we give our all in the race as well as we train, helping, or training helps us to remove hindrances. As we train for this race in 2018, this year, as we train, it helps us to remove hindrances in the race. You know, the Bible and tells us to lay aside the weight that so easily besets us. You know, I, I thought about those days running and, and playing sports. You know, you watch guys and they train sometimes. And you see guys that would put on the jackets that were weighted down and they would run with those weights on their back and they would train with those or Back in the day, it was all the ankle weights that you Velcroed onto your ankle, and you tried to train with these ankle weights on. But they would train with a weight on. But you know, when you get those weights off, you're really able to function much better in the race when they're off. 
You know, you don't enter a race with all those weights on and think you're going to win the race. Those weights only hinder you in the race. And you need to take the weights off so that you can run in the race and be successful in the race that God's placed you in. And you know, it it could be something very simple. We think about Martha in Luke chapter uh, 10, verse 40, where she was cumbered about with much serving. It was a weight that was slowing her down. She was too busy serving. The better part was to sit at Christ's feet is Mary and to fellowship with him. You know, it's not that serving is wrong, but we get so busy. And let me tell you, here at Foster A. Baptist Church, we have been so busy working through the years that sometimes we forget where we ought to be. Because we get so consumed with working and doing and building that we forget what we're really supposed to be doing. You know, and that's hard for me because I love to pick up my hammer. You better believe I took all my tools in New Zealand with me because I love to, to do that kind of stuff. It, you know, for me, I don't hit a golf ball. My therapy is picking up my drill and putting a hole in something or screwing something together. You know, that's, that's my therapy. And, you know, and then Dawn has to remind me, your therapy is getting out of control. You, you need to get back to the better things. And, you know, and I'm thankful that God gave me a help me that will remind me to do the right things. Because I can get consumed in doing things that are good, but aren't the best thing. And, folks, don't get weighted down doing things that are good and missing to do the best thing in the race this year. Don't miss what God has for you to do this year here at Foster Baptist Church. You know, it's not just that, that weight that slows you in the race that you need to take off, but it's also those sins that beset us in the race. You know, as, I, as you think about a sin and you think about a race... You know, oftentimes, these guys, run, they ran cross-country at Junior. I did one time, and let me tell you what, I never ran that race again. I only did it. Some of you know Jerry White here in Tuscola County used to run cross-country at Junior, and he broke his collarbone in a soccer game, and I was asked to uh, run cross-country and take his place, and I thought, meh, that can't be that hard. I can do that. So I got in that, and if you've ever, anybody that ever ran that, cross-country track at Juniet and the sand over there out in the woods knows that's pretty difficult. And you know, for the first mile, I did all right. Man, I was running in that race. I was ahead of everybody by 100 yards. Man, I was blowing everybody away. But I didn't realize I needed to pace myself in the race. And I'm just going like crazy because I thought, oh, man, I just, I'll just beat everybody right now. Can't be that much further. And I got one-third of the way through that race, that first mile. Mr. Krieger was standing there, and I was getting ready to go over the hill and disappear into the woods. And he says, you're going to set a new course record. I said, no, I'm going to die. <laughs> and, you know, I got, I waited, I got over that hill, and I got to the edge of the woods. And I started walking, man, because I was cramping up so bad. I was hurting. It's like, man, what am I doing? This is dumb. 
And then there goes one runner, there goes another one, there goes another one. I ended up probably coming in like 18 out of 20 runners that day. It was terrible. I was leading for the first mile, but I didn't finish well. And you know, when we ran that race, I often heard people say, well, you could cut the corner over here and cut a half a mile out of the race if you go this way. Cheating in the race. I never thought about doing that that day. You know, that one race, I thought, well, now I know why they cut the corner. (laughs) But, you know, in the race that God puts us in, we try to run the race by our rules on the course we want to run. And we try to tell God, no, we're going to do it our way. And we, put, we allow things in our life that are sins that hinder us in the race. That knocks us out of the race. Folks, if you got something in your life tonight that you know is hindering you in the race this year, you need to deal with it. And you need to get it taken care of. You know, let, let me tell you, there's a verse that says, be sure your sin will find you out. So either you take care of it, or God will take care of it. And make sure you don't have those sins in your life that are going to beset you in the race this year in 2018. Because we think that, oh, we can pull one over on God, and let me tell you, you don't pull anything over on our God. You think you do, and you can try, and I can tell you how it's going to end up. But you need to train and remove the hindrance in your life this year. And let me just say quickly, run this race this year. You need to learn to run with patience in 2018. To run with patience. Keep on keeping on in the race. 2 Timothy 2, verses 3 through 5 says, Thou therefore endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. No man that warreth entangleth himself with the affairs of this life, that he may please him that hath chosen him to be a soldier. And if a man also strive for masteries, yet is he not uh, crowned except he strive lawfully. You know, we need to keep on keeping on in the race this year. You know, there's a, uh, I'm going to give you this uh, example real quick, but you know there was a race in the, the Greeks would run. And in that race that they would run, they would run with a torch that was lit. You know, the winner in that race wasn't one that could cross the line first. It was the one that could cross the line with the torch still lit first. That was the winner. Sometimes we get running, and we get running so fast and doing things our way, the light goes out, and we're going to cross the finish line, and we're not going to be the winner. Folks, run the race this year with your light still lit, and let it shine bright in 2018 and in the coming years in Faustoria, Mayville in this area, let it shine. You know, we we often forget the little songs we learned as kids, this little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. You know what, I teach those to our church people in New Zealand because they don't know those songs. And those are songs that through my life as a teenager and in my 20s and 30s and 40s now, almost 50, not quite, you know that those songs still minister to my heart, a kid's song. And this year, let your light shine.
Keep your eyes on Christ. You know, folks, it, we end up in, in this life, we get our eyes on everybody else. You take your eyes and we, we watch everybody else. And you know why we do that? Because we want to think that we're better than they are, so we're okay. Your measuring stick in this life is not the person sitting in the pew next to you or anywhere in this church or the pastor that stands up here. Your measuring stick in this life is Christ. And it's not your goal to be better than somebody else so you can say, I did it. It almost sounds like works to me. Your goal is to be like Christ in this life. And we say, well, we can't do that. Well, God says you can do that, and you need to be striving to be every day more like Christ in your life. I'm not, gonna, I'm not saying you're going to be perfect like he was, but you know what? Christ came and he died to give us the victory over sin. You know what that means? Every day in your life, you don't have to give in to sin, but we do. And it's every day getting up and deciding, today I'm not going to give in to that sin today in my life. I want to be more like Christ. I want Him to shine through me so that the world around me can see Him. I don't want Him to see me. I can't save Him, but Christ can. You can't save people, but Christ can. Folks, I'm, I am thankful for this church, and I don't want you to think I, it was a message to come up here and to beat you up, because you know what, I, as as I am in New Zealand, as I preach, the examples I use that I've learned here through the years of good things that I've learned, of the way I've seen people work together and do things together and serve together and hurt together. And, you know, you hear about people tonight that need your prayer. Bill and Jackie and their little boy, and they hear about the Crooks family and others that are hurting. When they hurt, we ought to hurt. When others rejoice, we ought to rejoice. The world is so busy trying to pull us apart from being a family here because we all are God's family. You know what? We work together. We play together. We hurt together. We rejoice together. The greatest days of my life as a teenager here at Fostoria Baptist Church, doing all those things with many of you right here. And let me say thank you to all of you who are still here, serving the Lord and plugging along. You know, it's not easy, and you know that, because the devil's thrown a lot of things in many of your lives that you want to stop and say, is it worth it? Should we keep going on? Why, Lord, why did this happen? But we keep on moving forward. And we keep on helping each other and loving each other and praying for each other and serving God together to see something done for him here at Fostoria Baptist Church. And around the world. I say this church name so much in, in New Zealand. They've Googled where Fostoria, Michigan is. 
from our church in New Zealand. Folks, I love all of you. You know what? Sometimes I hear some things, people leaving. It hurts. Even me in New Zealand. It hurts to hear. Because what I think of is the devil is discouraging people in the race right here. He's trying, and it's, I don't, I don't get mad at people, but I know what the devil's doing to people. That's why you need to encourage one another right here to keep on moving forward together in the race this year. Let's go ahead and pray, Pastor Henry. You can, I'll turn it back over to you. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you for this time you've given to us. I thank you for the time that you've allowed me to speak this evening. Lord, I pray that what was said this evening was what you wanted said this evening. Father, I thank you for this church, for these people at this church. Father, they're my family. You know I love them. Father, I pray that you would be with each one here this evening through this year, that they would strive to live within your will in 2018. And Father, if some hurt this year, let them know that others are hurting with them and that we pray for them in New Zealand. Father, as they see great things done for you, Father, we rejoice with them when great things are done. Father, I thank you for all that you do for us. Father, we do love you. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Brother Cliff, you'll bring those prayer requests up this way. And then we'll spend